Welcome to Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast, the show where we seek to uncover what leadership means in today's world. I'm Joe Hart, CEO of Dale Carnegie, and we'll be talking to diverse leaders with stories to tell across various industries to help unlock your potential for success. We will be sharing real-life insights into leadership, which in turn can help spark the next level of your growth as a leader. Today's guest has extensive experience in driving tremendous sales growth over multiple companies. In 2008, he embraced risk by leaving a successful career at Yahoo to become the vice president of sales with a young startup called Indeed. Over the past 12 years, Indeed has experienced incredible growth, with the initial team of 50 now exceeding 10,000. I'm excited to welcome the Chief Revenue Officer for Indeed, Nolan Ferris. Nolan, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you uh, with us today. That's great to be here, Joe. Thank you so much for the invite. Uh, Excited about the conversation. Me too. I've been able to see firsthand some of the amazing work that you and Indeed are doing in the marketplace. And I want to definitely talk about that. Let's go back, though, and start a little bit with your career. Tell us a little bit about Yahoo and kind of how that led to Indeed and some of the key things that happened along the way. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, after graduating college, I tried a few different things and was fortunate enough to find hotjobs.com after a few years spent at Anderson Consulting, which you obviously know as Accenture today, and, you know, thought to try sales as a career and during the dot-com highs of that period of time, really fell in love with the recruitment industry overall and really innovating the classifieds business. And so at the time, as an account executive in Boston, Massachusetts, my biggest competitor at the time was the Boston Globe and monster.com. And so I really learned the ropes and sales through that opportunity. And a few years later, moved to New York with that organization. We were acquired by Yahoo in 2002, had a great opportunity to then sort of learn a lot about Yahoo and a lot of the different products and solutions they were offering to consumers. We were able to sell to recruiters and staffing agencies, and that was really exciting. So search marketing and display advertising and behavioral targeting, all of these things was really a great education in media and in advertising and to grow through the Yahoo organization and start a management career first in managing 10 account executives. And then as a senior manager, managing the inside sales force of 65 to 70 people in New York City. Then my last job at Yahoo was managing the national accounts team which was focused on Fortune 1000 companies and selling the suite of solutions and helping them hire. So you really progressed really well in your career at Yahoo from the individual sales contributor to now a sales leader. And you were faced with a decision about leaving Yahoo, maybe an opportunity to go to Indeed. And I think at the time you went to Indeed in 2008, it was a much smaller organization. I mean, that must have been a Risk for you at that time, I mean, leaving Yahoo for Indeed, talk about what was the thought process in in leaving and how did you make that decision? I remember having the conversation with my father and saying, so I I think I'm going to go and lead sales for this startup in Stanford, Connecticut. And my father said, so you're leaving a Fortune 1000 company to go to an IT startup in Stanford, 
Connecticut? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, you know, the decision was pretty easy because I was so familiar with what Indeed was doing. You know, at the time, it was a little search engine that could. Uh, a company was aggregating jobs in one place from a number of different sources. At that moment in time, the job board experience really was, you know, job seekers were only going to Monster or to Hot Jobs, which is where I was, or Career Builder. And the only jobs they were seeing were jobs that the advertisers or employers were paying to have on that site. And Indeed really did a good job of providing a comprehensive search experience for job seekers. And so, you know, to move from a Fortune 1000 organization to 50 employees and $11 million in revenue, yeah, it was absolutely a risk. But the problem that Indeed was solving at the time and the opportunity to scale that and build a go-to-market message to me was just a gigantic opportunity and, and certainly really exciting. It seems like it could have been a little bit of a gut check at that point. I mean, you really saw the potential that Indeed had and the opportunity there. Was there something that led you to take command, to take the risk, so to speak? I mean, yeah, there were a few of them. Yeah. Um, walking through my sales team in New York at the time, I started seeing this beautiful white screen on a number of my salespeople's monitors. And I thought it was the next MySpace. And I asked him, what is that? I said, oh, this is a great lead generation tool. It captures all of the jobs. And so we're using it to find opportunities to go and sell our thing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I had an opportunity to engage with some of the folks at Indeed at a, a trade show in Las Vegas a few weeks after that, and then met Paul and Ronnie, the co-founders, and was enamored by how they approach the business and how they focus on it. I felt as though it was a great opportunity for me to one, be able to take all of the great insight that I'd learned about this industry that I really fell in love with and some of the relationships that I had with some partners in the space, our ad agencies and so on, and continue down the path. I just knew that my time in recruiting wasn't over and I was able to leverage that success and some of the passion and apply it to, uh, to the next place. So um, those were some of the things that really stood out and uh, made the decision easy. That's awesome. So, so you made the switch. And one of the most impressive things to me about Indeed is this meteoric growth that you've had from 2008 until now. You started with, what, 50, 60 people in 2008. Now you've got over 10,000 people in the company. Talk a little bit about that growth and the roles that you had in that growth over that period of time. It's been exciting. It's been hard uh, for all the right reasons, right? Um, you know, growing a company is hard. And growing a company wearing a sales hat or a, a client success hat is really challenging. One of the things that we realized early on was that we had to focus on the things that we can control. And what we had in the moment was we had a really good technology. And what the company really needed was to shape a go-to-market message. And so we really focused on ensuring that the marketplace was introduced to what Indeed was and how we could help and how we can help job seekers find employment. And when we had 15 people in sales, we wanted it to feel as though we had 75. And when we had 75 people in sales, we wanted it to feel like a thousand. And so we really were able to build a good story and focus on productivity and storytelling and ensuring that we were connecting with as many people as possible. And on the client success side, really focused on making sure that every client had success using Indeed. Our client success teams are problem solvers. They're there to drive positive outcomes and great experiences for our clients. And that was set really early on. You know, we wanted to be competitive and determined and ethical and fun. 
And those are the four things that we rallied around early, building our teams and thinking about productivity and really focusing on the things that we can control. Well, the culture that you have at Indeed has certainly been a critical part of this. Can you share a little bit about how you built that culture? You talked about those four things. What, does say the four things again so that we all got those? Competitive, determined, ethical, and fun. Okay. Those are four things that started really at a leadership level and were driven throughout the entire organization, sounds like. That's right. Yes. And how did you, in your experience, continue to drive that culture as you brought on new people, this rapid hiring of people and making sure that you were maintaining a culture that was a positive and ethical and fun one and so forth. How did you do that? Some learnings from my past were really helpful in guiding some of the just general mentality that we wanted to, to focus on. Before I left Yahoo, I had an opportunity to sit at a round table with Jerry Yang, who's the, the co-founder and CEO of Yahoo at the time. And Someone asked him a tough question, and it happened to have been a, at a tough time where Yahoo had just turned down a bid by Microsoft to purchase them. And someone asked, Jerry, what happened to Yahoo? And the response was something that I'll never forget. He said, Yahoo used to be about building stuff and selling stuff. And over the last bunch of years, we kind of just got lost in the middle. And yeah, as a fairly young executive at the time, I thought, ah, okay, that's very interesting. And what I loved about Indeed and something that was already there when I got there was that you had all the business operations teams, marketing, sales, HR, finance, sitting in Connecticut, and you had all of the technology teams sitting in Austin, Texas. And so there was this natural silo that separated the focus. At a company only 50, 60 big, making sure that we were doing our jobs and controlling the things that we could control was super important. And so as we thought about the goals that we set for one another in sales and in client success, really we were trying to maximize our storytelling and ensure that more and more HR professionals and decision makers and C-levels had a good understanding for what Indeed was and what problem we could solve for them. And in speaking to the teams, it was pretty often where I'd have someone approach my desk and say, you know, do you have a few minutes? And Nolan, is this a thing ever going to get big? Are we ever going to do a Super Bowl commercial? Are we ever going to spend any money on advertising? Are we ever going to have gifts to give to our clients or tchotchkes? I'd get these questions and having served and worked at larger organization before, I said, if we focus on what we can control and we maximize our productivity, all of these things will come. And I remember those things vividly. In fact, the person's face that I'm thinking of in sharing that with, he eventually moved to Dublin and opened our office in Ireland and managed the first hundred people that we had in Ireland and now manages all of our acquisition teams in the US. And so I think really trying to understand that each group and function had an accountability to ensuring that we were focused solely on helping people get jobs. And in sales and service, understanding that driving and delivering revenue and meeting revenue expectations was going to help us invest in innovation and extremely talented engineers and great tech to just put the package, the platinum package together so we can continue scaling and innovating and growing. That's how I feel and how I have always described the focus of Indeed early on was just extremely metrics driven and productivity focused.
two really critical things. And as I think about all that you've just said, I mean, that clear focus really comes out in, in a couple of ways. You talked about focusing on what you can control and ultimately focusing on that customer. And I know that for you and for the whole company, that's a passion, really focusing on the person finding the job and the people who are looking to hire. Go back to that focus on what we can control for a moment. How did you all maintain that focus? That's a great question. I think a lot of companies tend to get lost in the number of things they measure and the, the different ways and things that they ask of their people on a day-to-day -day basis. One of the things early on, particularly in the sales group that we focused on was a really simple sales process and forecasting model and thinking about the work that we need and the information we need them to provide to have a sense of where our business is going and where it's headed and what we can expect in a given quarter, we broke that down really into four simple steps. And that was simply doing your pre-work, making sure that you've qualified your opportunities, the positioning stage where you're actually telling the Indeed story and trying to determine a match, and then hunting down the close. And understand early on, most of our focus was trying to deliver new business every day focusing on winning new customers and introducing them to a new technology that required significant education. Pay-per-click advertising at the time was not commonplace in recruitment. So the balance between a sales effort and hunting and you know, all of those you know, sales you know, terminology and also an education approach to that sales effort was really important. But the collection of metrics, how many conversations are you having on a day-to-day -day basis how many prospects are you finding? And at the time, we didn't have lead gen, right? It was who's hiring and how can we introduce Indeed to those organizations? And then what does your pipeline and forecast look like? It was really basic. Are you at stage one in the sales process? Stage two, meaning you're qualifying? Are you positioning opportunities for Indeed? And are you hunting down a close? Early on, that was it. And so you'd be able to sit down with a rep and say, all right, how many twos matured to threes? And that was how basic it was. It was simple. Because if you pile on all of this different software and technologies, and you're asking a billion things of your people, oh, and by the way, to go and hit quota and or retain a book of business, they're not going to know where to focus their time on. But our effort was really aggressively focused on winning new clients and making them fans. People knew that when they came to Indeed, the good news is they were going to sell all day. And the bad news was they were going to sell all day. And on the service side, it was, I'm going to go solve problems for customers. I'm going to make them love us. So Nolan, one of the things I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people who have worked for you and what people always say is, you know, Nolan's an incredible coach. And as you're talking about some of these conversations you're having with people, keeping people focused and so forth, what are some of the strategies you've had for coaching people, keeping people positive? Sales can be a really tough job, particularly when you're first starting out, like you talked about. What are some strategies or things you've learned about coaching? Maybe even a story or two, if you have them, about some really important coaching moments that you've had with people. I guess my go-to statement for managers and management and coaching in general is that managers are lead blockers. And when I say that, I mean, manager's job is to ensure that their people have a clear path to their personal success and their professional success. This speaks to some of the things that I just mentioned about making sure that your people have an ability to sell all day because you can't pile on a bunch of fire drills or data entry exercises if, if you want them to really succeed at the things that you're asking them to do. Ensuring that people have that clear path, it's a manager's job to understand who they're managing and what the best approach and path is for that individual. 
It's a common mistake, I think, for young leaders to speak to a room and find a tone and use that same tone with every single person in the group. And everyone in the group comes from a different place. They were raised in different areas or educated in different areas, speak different languages in some cases, right? And everyone has their own life experience. It's a manager's job to build a bridge and meet that individual halfway. It's a partnership. How are we going to make this successful? Because I know if you're successful, I'm successful. And if I'm successful, the company is going to be successful. And I think that tone and the opportunity starts with the manager. So that's how I've always approached all of my opportunities and the wonderful people that I've been able to manage over the years and be extremely transparent about where they stand and do not shy away from providing feedback, good, bad, or ugly. Being completely transparent is something that I have taken advantage of and feel as though it's been a tool and something I've leaned on to ensure that the relationship and that, as I said, bridge building with that individual is sound and stable for scale. Look, everyone needs 10 seconds of courage in ensuring that this transparency could exist in the relationships that they manage either you know, with their individual contributors or with their team or with their business partners in other corners of the business. Transparency and solid communication sometimes requires courage. That's something that I've leaned on and learned, learned a lot about over the years. Let me ask you about that because it does take courage and many people are reluctant to have those tough conversations. They can be uncomfortable. We don't know how people are going to respond. So how did you get within yourself or was there something that was a spark to you or someone that taught you how to have those courageous conversations? I think that's a real barrier for a lot of people is having that straight, tough conversation. What advice would you have for someone about how to have that and sure. to push through any fear that they may have? A friend of mine said to me one time, the people that you manage, they go home and they have a dinner conversation about you with a friend or their significant other. And you know that that conversation is all focused on you. When their network or their friends or family ask about work, they're talking about you. And so ensuring that that person, regardless of whether they walk out of the office or they shut down their laptop for the day, understanding that people's career is important to them. It's incredibly important to them. And so the overall experience as a manager, that job doesn't end when the day is over. And the impact that you have on that individual doesn't end when they get in their car and they drive home. That has always been something that I've appreciated and worked hard at ensuring that all of our employees know where they stand. They know the things that they're doing well, and they understand the things that we're working on together to see them down that yellow brick road to their personal success and their professional success. It's easy to hear, but to actually feel it and be mindful enough to adjust your position and conversation and how you show up for your team, I think are different things. They are definitely different things. And it's interesting too, as you say that the experience I've had also is Sometimes it's hard to have a difficult conversation. People always seem to respect it. And I always try to look at it from my own standpoint. If someone's got something to say, I'd rather hear it and have someone be sure. straight about it, even if it's a tough thing to hear so that we can do something about it, right? But part of what I think you've described is what's enabled you to build strong trust with the people with whom you work. That's just the foundational piece of relationship. So Nolan, you have grown tremendously, 50, 60 people when you started, 10,000 today, You've also had this incredible, up until now, this past year, worldwide travel schedule. We've talked, you're all over the world. <laughs> How have you grown a team, maintained those relationships, and continue to bring out the best in people 
as you've grown, as you've traveled, I mean, you've had a lot of challenges and yet you've done it to the point where you've got Indeed is again, such an effective, great company. How have you helped do that? What other insights might you share about that? Yeah, we've talked a bit about our travels, Joe, and it's uh, it certainly has changed and probably be very different when the world gets back to normal. But you know, building a global team is amazing. It's one of the most incredible things in my life. And side note, and maybe just something that's a little humorous, I studied anthropology in college. It was my major. And not a whole heck of a lot of people had any understanding for what I was going to do with that anthropology degree, including my parents. But I would say that I am Union College's most successful anthropologist ever, having a good understanding for people and culture. And I approached our international expansion with open eyes and open ears and knowing that how we position our products and tell our stories in Germany are gonna be very different than how we do it in India. First and foremost, the success and the progress has come from good hiring. I'm so proud of the people that we've brought on to lead our teams in our international markets. I'd say 80% of the people over the last 10 years that I've brought in to manage our international markets are still with Indeed. And so we've been able to establish a really firm foundation in these markets and with leaders that we knew were good for the time being watching Frank in Dusseldorf hang up the first flat screen in his office as the only employee in Germany, right? Probably not that fun for Frank, but understanding that he was going to be good for that day, but also scale now. He has hundreds of people reporting in through his organization with a few different offices in Germany. But hiring is everything. Making sure that you have the right characters in your play, not just for the small opera house, but for the stadium. And that is something that, of course, we all grew together and took on new challenges and have learned about new products and scaled different types of businesses across Indeed. But we've gelled as a team and really agreed upon how we're going to grow this business successfully and the character by which we decided to do it. And that kind of leads back to some of the initial things, right? We work hard. Spend more time sitting in this room than I do playing with my four children. And if that's a grind, it's not worth doing. And so making sure we're laughing and having fun and, and appreciating the fact that we get to work in a company with a social mission of helping people find employment and bettering their lives and taking a step forward and a step up. To some, it may sound a little cheesy, but appreciating that with our employee base, particularly you know, as we're, we're building the foundation in some new markets is incredibly important and something that we take to heart and regularly revisit and communicate and over-communicate to reinforce across our teams. So I guess if I were to lean on one thing that has led to this or put us in a better position to be a, a strong global player in this space, it's we have hired really exceptional leaders and partners who have done amazing things. You definitely have. And what you've said is also true. I think you've instilled in everyone a sense of purpose that the organization has, that people I've met at Indeed are very passionate about the work that you do, about the customers, that why seems to drive people and gel them to the company even more. What are you excited about right now, Nolan, as you look ahead into the future? What are some of the things that maybe excite you, maybe even concern you? The world is it's a different place and you know, virtual Working is not going to go away. Now, I think flexibility and accessing different technologies from different places, this whole pandemic is just fast forward to the world of technology. And we, we're using a platform now for this webinar that definitely not only doubled, right? It, you know, Zoom has, has done amazing things and having the ability to be virtual. And I think with 
the transformations and opportunities that we have at Indeed to create an experience for job seekers that allow them to find employment anywhere is really super important. So the first many years of Indeed, we focused on the job search and the clicking on those jobs and the apply process. And as we take massive steps into the future, we're really focused on building a hiring platform that allows us to assist in making it easier for employers to source and screen candidates and schedule interviews. And we've created an experience with Indeed Interview to create that interview experience in a technology that is built for recruiting. And that efficiency gain for recruiters who don't have to sort through a million resumes to get to the right one, allowing us to assist with that automation will save a ton of time for recruiters and allow them to really focus on candidate engagement and building relationships with their candidates and hopefully future hires and creating that awesome experience for them to engage. So that's something I'm extremely excited about. If you think about the recruitment industry moving from classified ads and newspapers to online with the creation of job boards and then the evolution of the job boards to comprehensive search engines for jobs like Indeed. And now thinking about the overall full funnel of recruitment and the problems that we can help solve for employers in making it easier to hire and for job seekers, right? Making it faster for them to get hired and have meaningful conversations with employers. Having seen the stages through, Changing an industry twice is rare. I believe we have that opportunity and indeed I'm super excited about it. That seems like a super exciting opportunity, particularly with the change in technology and all the things that uh, the future holds. You have a really interesting story. I just want to pivot a little bit to um, Dale Carnegie. We talk about this as the Dale Carnegie Take Man podcast. And I've told you a story many times about commuting into uh, Manhattan and listening to Dale Carnegie and audio. Talk a little bit about what Dale Carnegie has meant to you in your career and just what your experience has been. My first introduction to Dale Carnegie was I was driving to Stamford, Connecticut. And at the time I had just moved up to Stamford from Hoboken, New Jersey, where I lived. And at that time, my girlfriend, now my wife, and the mother of my four children was moving into my Hoboken apartment. And during that move, I came across some CDs that she had of uh, how to win friends and influence people. And I said, what is this? And she said, oh, those are my confidence CDs. And I said, I'm taking them for the ride. And I started listening to them. And I was thinking, I have to call them and, and see if we can you know, have a conversation about scaling our leadership team and some of the important ethical approach to sales and service that I wanted to introduce at Indeed. And that really started that conversation and obviously got introduced to Stephen and built that relationship. The stories and trainings that we've built with our teams have just scaled so nicely over time as Indeed has taken on new products or we've evolved or we've moved into new markets. Um, You've been parallel to that strategy. We never felt as though we had to fit into your business model. It's always felt as though, you know, the relationship has been focused around, right? What are the goals at Indeed and how can we support that growth or meet those goals? It's a partnership that I cherish as a result of just seeing how fast we've grown and some of the amazing content and education that we've been able to deliver together with our teams at Indeed. We're grateful for the opportunity to work with you. And certainly it's been just such a thrill to be a part of your, your journey and your ride as uh, you and Indeed have continued to thrive just to be a, a part of that. I still find it 
interesting that it was the CDs or <laughs> listening to that was kind of the spark for you. Just a few more questions. Uh, you know, great leaders normally have great people that they learn from. If you look back on your career, or even as you look ahead, who are some of the people who've inspired you to leadership? My mentor and my boss, Mike DeLuca, he was my boss for six years at Yahoo, certainly helped me develop. And, and I shared with you earlier some of the different levels and steps that I took in my career there working under Mike. But what was unique about my experience working at Yahoo under Mike was that he also managed my sister at the same time. And my sister at Yahoo was, was my you know, client success partner. And to have watched Mike remove glass ceiling for my sister and the level of support and trust that was built there taught me really what being a leader for all means and ensuring that the environment by which we created, that there was no bias. It worked because we had a boss who set clear expectations held us accountable for delivery of metrics and revenue and forecasts and those types of things, but also created an environment where it was fun. Then the message was constantly, don't take yourself too seriously. You know, you're a young guy, Nolan, you're successful and you're good at what you do. Don't take yourself too seriously, right? These people want to rally behind someone that is relatable and they know cares for them. And that was absolutely something that Mike was able to provide for me and my sister. Before you get in front of a big client, whatever it may be, Trying to say, you know, I help people get jobs. I get to do this. It's something that I've absolutely learned from Mike. And he continues to be a mentor and someone who I look up to and uh, ask opinions from time to time. It's clear in listening to the story how he impacted how you even see the people with whom you work. I mean, you've talked about every person is different. So you have to relate to them differently. Talked about trying to keep it fun and engaging and also to align to the things that are important to them. And so the things you learned from Mike and are things that clearly you've taken to Indeed and helped the company uh, grow. How have you balanced really this high pace demanding career with the time with your family? As we've talked, I know that that is such a priority for you is making time for your family. How have you found the way to balance that? Yeah, it's a, a great question and a hard one. Prior to this situation that we're all in, I traveled about 30% of the time. And so I do keep close track on the number of days that I'm not coming to my own house. Some of that is absolutely necessary in building relationships and trust with different markets and the people in those markets and the clients in those markets. But the time at home is the time at home. I view the current situation as this isn't my home office. I just so happen to rent an office from my family. And so, you know, ensuring that when I come home, it's not go right into, uh, you know, open my laptop and do more work. There's very little work from home when I'm working in an office or coming home from a trip. Now, this environment's very different, but when I'm in the office, I'm working, and when I leave that room, that's what I'm there to do. You know, it's also been kind of fun to be able to build a business at the same time that, I, that we're growing our family. Any of my employees have seen my family grow and making sure that we all know that particularly in this time, the number one most important thing is our employee safety and our family safety. We're giving them the flexibility to make it more manageable and more tolerable to help people get jobs. And that has been a really important part of particularly the last year and something I'm really proud of, uh, the, the Indeed leadership team and our overall employee base are working together on ensuring that we're all okay and we're going to be okay. You know, my children, when you ask them, I remember asking Cecily when she was probably four, saying, Cecily, what's dad going to do today? And she says, dad's going to help people get jobs. And I said, and why is he doing that? And she said, 
so you can bring home the bacon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun being able to share the success and the work and the progress for a wonderful mission and helping people find employment. So well, it's, it's great how you've been able to integrate what you do and make and really the family understands it and they appreciate the value it. I give you a lot of credit. It's you know I found the working from home, especially initially, very difficult with separation. It's just too easy to go into work, and I've had to really like you just be very deliberate in terms of making time for my family. Any final advice for people who are earlier in their careers? If you think back, even about yourself, if you think back, if you were to give yourself some advice five or 10 or 15 or dare say 20 years ago, what parting thoughts might you have for people? What I would tell a younger Nolan would be to not take yourself too seriously. The challenges of today don't need to be solved immediately. It's okay to take on a challenge or a challenging question or a problem that needs to be solved. It's okay to take a moment and breathe before start, starting to type a response or working on the math or adjusting the forecast or reworking a proposal or whatever it may be. Taking time to think about exactly what's been said, what's been done, thinking about the why and the what, and then the how, I think is really, really important. I think early on, you know, it was startup mode. Everything was just a million miles an hour. And I probably would give myself the advice of take a deep breath, go for a walk, the world is not crashing. You're doing a great job. Take an hour, focus on something else and come back to it. Being calculated and smart about how you stack rank issues and how you're going to solve them, I think is incredibly important and something that I wish I was in my own ear uh, you know, a number of years ago. But again, understand the balance that you have with your employees and the relationships that you're building or trying to build across the organization. Teamwork is hard, and particularly in this moment, understanding the role you play and being able to focus on the things that you can control and then bringing someone along with you. So your success can easily be passed on. You know, inspiration is not just something you talk about from manager to individual contributor. It's, I think it's an overall all-in approach where you can inspire your colleague. There may be someone who has started at your organization that has never been in one of your offices and doesn't have the same sort of understanding for the culture or the, the mission or the values. And so I'd advise everyone in their career to just always try and bring someone along for the ride with you and share some of the insights and shortcuts and tips that you might have. That genuinely just creates a warmer environment for us to do the hard work, to wear this sales and service hat. It isn't just a management duty to create an environment of warmth and trust it's an opportunity for everyone to play a part in. It's a personal opportunity, right? I mean, right. Um, you can make a real difference in the people's lives with whom you work. You can have a good time at it. Certainly, there have been many people who have done that for me, and I try to do that too for other people. And, and clearly, I know you do too, Nolan. A great leader, great conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Listeners are going to love hearing this uh, podcast, so thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for the invite. It was a pleasure. Always great talking to you, Joe. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast. Check out our resources page at www.dalecarnegie.com for more research, insight, and tools that will support your success in taking command of your leadership potential. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating it and subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thank you for listening. And we look forward to you joining us at the next episode of Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast.